Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That could only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here for the next two hours on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we've got a decade of NFL experience and a really good head of hair. It's up to you to figure out the rest of what you should know by now. Uh, knucklehead. Is that if you want to get involved with the show anytime over the next 120 minutes, you can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Arthur Motes, we are inching closer and closer. It's about that time, huh? And closer to Sunday. And so I got a question for you as it relates right, to the Ravens. Right, as got? somebody who was part of Steelers Ravens battles yourself, as somebody who spent four years in the division. Very fortunate to be a part of the robbery, man. There has been some talk uh, from both sides, not just the Steelers, right? Uh, from the Steelers and from the Ravens about how, you know, there is, there's a lot of respect in both organizations. Big time. And, uh, and I believe that. I 100% for sure believe that uh, John Harbaugh, I keep saying Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. Listen, had- <laughs> listen, we, this is 2020. If we don't know you don't do names well. It's true. I mean, come on, bro. You're not a of fan course. of the show. This, this is what we do. It's Jason Peters. <laughs> right. It's Marcus Peters. It's Travis Kelsey. I'm it's say, Jason like, like, Kelsey. We, we, we know this. This is what you do. You you might get the name right, but it would be on a totally different person. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's Travis Kelsey. Dan, actually, Daniel that's Jones Jason and Dan James. Yeah. I would say, actually, that's that's Jason Kelsey right there. But I got you. It's one of the Kelsey brothers. I got you. So one of the you're Harbaugh. Good, man. You you're good, man. You're good. The one Harbaugh brother that coaches look, the Ravens. Look, I'll tell you this. Before I could differentiate, because I would always mess him up too, I would never say Jim or John. I would just, just say, say, you know, the Harbaugh brother that's in, 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 in Baltimore, right. the Harbaugh brother that's in Michigan, and just leave it at that, bro. So when uh, Jim, maybe I should just bring this back. When Jim was with the Niners, mm-hmm. you want to know how I always remembered this when I was in college? Uh-oh. I ate a lot of Jimmy John's in college. Ah, okay, okay. Jimmy and John, right? So yes. Jimmy came first. He was on the West Coast, and yeah. John was on the East Coast. That's how I used I to like remember. It. Shoot, for the longest, I, was I couldn't college. tell you who was older or anything. I was just, those the Harbaugh brothers. Yeah, the one likes khakis. Yeah. <laughs> they're not twins, but they're like twins because they're like the same age. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so John Harbaugh, a lot of nice things to say about the Steelers organization, about the Rooney family, and I, I believe all that. Like, I don't think that's just blowing smoke. But one thing that I've heard a lot of that I want to get your opinion on as well this week, Arthur Motes, is that it's a clean rivalry. I, I personally feel like it is, man. I'll let you continue, though. Yeah, here, here, here's what I mean by that. Um, I don't think it's nasty in, in, the, in, like, in, in a dirty kind of way. Okay. But I also think a lot of the talk of it's, a, it's always a clean game is maybe just because it hasn't been like Steelers Bengals, you know, it, there's never been a Miles Garrett type helmet swing incident. Mm-hmm. But like 
Are we forgetting that everybody in this town wanted, was going after Terrell Suggs after he rolled up on Rashard Mendenhall late? Are we forgetting how mad everybody was in this town when Ben Roethlisberger had his nose broken? Like, again, I, I don't think it's a dirty rivalry. But I just wanted, as a former player, I, I wanted to know how you feel about the talk of, oh, it's always a clean game. I don't know about that. I just, I don't think it's Bengals or I don't think we haven't had a Miles Garrett type situation. See, that's the funny thing, though. For us, if it's not a Miles Garrett situation, if it's not a perfect situation where you're about to fight before the whole game starts, to me as a player, we always view that as clean. Hmm. You can knock my head off. You can blindside hit me. You can crack back me. You can even high-low me during the game because that's a part of the game, right? Some of it, obviously, it, it crosses the line, but we always felt that, hey, if, if something happens during the field of – like during the game, during those 60 minutes, during the field of play – I'm not against that. Stuff happens all the time. At East Level, we can all attest to that. Hey, man, I had a bad penalty on this play. All right, cool. That doesn't make me a dirty player. That doesn't make this game dirty. It just happened. When we're talking about the perfect situation where it completely just doesn't even yeah. resemble football, football or even Miles Garrett where that had zero to do with football, that's what we mean hmm. by dirty. Because let's be real. When you talk about the bad blood between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, do you really think – if it got to the point where it was a Miles Garrett situation, they would be able to stop that game. No, you, no, not a chance. <laughs> Sidelines would be clear. Exactly. So yeah. that's why, I'm, like, when when they when when we as a whole speak on the rivalry and say, "Hey, man," and that's why it I, has like, been I clean. know there's that respect. There. Yes, I do. It, it, I know it, for sure. That's what from a mutual situation. Yeah. Like, even during the game, as heated as these hits are, as heated as the rivalry is, there's still, like you said, is that mutual respect on the field that hey. Even though, yeah, I'm going to take this cheap shot on you because that's what we do versus you guys, and I expect you to fully do it back to me. We know that after that happens, it stays there. We're not about to sit here and, all right, well, now we're going to take it a step further. Now we're going to go here and here and here. When you talk about Cincinnati, when you talk about Cleveland, because it's not that mutual respect, hmm. obviously on our end, we're always big brother in that scenario. Sure. sure. You know they're going to try to push it a lot further because they want to get that respect. And then from there, all right, you got to lay the hammer down, and then it gets nasty like that. But with Baltimore, because that respect is already there, we don't have to – neither one of us have to try to say, you know, we got to prove how much more right. tougher or we I'm are. I'm not the little or, brother. Exactly. Yeah. Cincinnati, we know. how They always are trying to prove it. Now they kind of like have settled down because they're having down years. But during the height of that, man, let's yeah, be real. Won, what, they won the division twice with right. Dalton. Yeah. But even with that, they were – even with the win of the division – no one ever no. felt that they were the no. best team in the division. They Let's still be real about still it. Still weren't winning playoff <laughs> You see what I mean? Yeah. So even in that scenario, they always felt that they had to do more to be proven, to, to, to validate who they are. I mean, it's, it's no different when you talk about a person who's dealing with insecurity, right? They always felt they got to impress. They got to do extra. Whereas that person who's confident, they know who they are. They don't have to run around doing all this extra stuff. Right. Are, they, right. are they capable of that? Absolutely. But they don't feel the need to go there. And that's why we talk about it being just a clean rivalry. It's because we haven't. I mean, think about just the history of this rivalry, how big these games are, mm -hmm. the hits that take place. Mm -hmm. When have you ever seen a situation like any of that? Even before, like, even with the perfect thing, right, where, where you saw pregame, the game might not even happen because we're all about to fight here. We never saw that in right, our rivalry. Right, right. Whereas, like I said, with Cincinnati, not once did we feel that they could beat us, but it was like, man, y'all keep pushing these buttons. We're going to have to show you something real quick. And obviously, we've got the Miles Garrett situation and how that thing played out. And yeah, that's that. I, I, I like how you said that there. That that does make a lot of sense. And I just I wanted to get the former player perspective on that. And I, like I said, I know that there's that mutual respect there. There is. I just 
I hear a lot of people talking about how it's a clean game. You know, like, it, yeah. it's a clean game. I mean, I remember Ed Reed calling Heinz Ward the, Heinz Ward the dirtiest player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm remembering yeah. back to all these things. But you're right. Those all happen. Th- those big hits, right? The, the, the blocks the that Heinz Ward makes. Of the game. All within the context of the game. Mm-hmm. Not after the whistle. I mean, some stuff that we talk about that right, could right. be late a little bit mm-hmm. might be after the whistle. But not a, right. a Miles Garrett type like, after like, the whistle. Th- think about the difference Violent between, act. Think about the difference between T-Suggs. And, and the guys that, that ultimately hit Ben broke his nose, right? Mm-hmm. That still was what a football action when yes. it happened. Yes. You can question how was it dirty, was right. it Some high? of the intent, maybe. Right. You can add that into there. And, and that. And let's be real. We're going to have that conversation on any big-time hit. I mean, we saw how we micromanaged and broke down the Earl Thomas hit on Mason Rudolph all because Mason got knocked out. If Mason doesn't get knocked out. We said we're not even talking about that. But just in that context, it was still a football play. Whereas Miles Garrett yanking a guy's helmet off, and now you having a full out brawl, that has zero to do with football. That's MMA. Mm-hmm. If we want to do that, let, let's go. Let's go get in the cage somewhere. Let's get a boxing ring. Right. But if it happens in the context of football, it's just viewed differently amongst players. I feel like fans, obviously, because it's just different from a fan perspective. A lot of times, y'all people will see a questionable play or a dirty play and just think, "Oh man, I can't believe that man." This is, and, and a lot of times, the fans are more worked up than the players. For us, we're like, hey, man, he got me. But trust me, if the role was reversed, I would get him through the exact same way. It, it just – it's its a different understanding. Kind of yeah, like, I mean, that, even no, when we talk sense. about, like, it locker does. room culture, right? We talked about the difference between locker room culture versus regular society and when the Miami situation, <laughs> right, all right. the info come out. And we're like, bro, we everyone does this since, like, high school. Like, it is what it is. But for people that aren't accustomed to that, it's a shocker. So when right. you see some of these hits that take place and you're like, whoa, man, that was a flag. That was dirty. I can't believe this. I hate this guy. But to us, we're like, it ain't that deep, man. It's football. Like, you're going to have some of that happen, especially when you're both competing. You both already have bad blood in it anyways. Right. That happens in the context of the game. Arthur Moats laying it down. I love it. We still don't like him, though. We still don't. <laughs> Just to clear that up, I don't, I don't want y'all to get that ever twisted. <laughs> First time in my life, I start questioning if I wanted to wear purple anymore. You know, I love purple because the JMU. I know. I know. But I, hey, it, it was plenty of times I'm like, hey, I don't know about this, bro, because because them boys over there were that, and we don't like them yeah. not at all. Arthur Motes is wearing a Lakers hat today, and he took it off in the middle of that rant there Serious, because man. he realized he had black and purple on his head. He's like, uh, I can't we, be doing we, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we we do not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body Buddha Seventy One here says, oh, "I'm a Buddha Baker for a second. I was say, man, did you get faster? Oh, that'd be a good uh, that'd be a good burner account. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "I'm a day one listener, mm. first time Twitterer. Mm. I downloaded Twitter just so I could be a friend of the show. Well, Buddha, shout welcome, out, baby. shout out. We love it. We love it. Good stuff. And thanks for uh, for joining the conversation. We got a bunch of tweets here already. We had some from yesterday that I couldn't get to. Uh, our buddy Jab." Out there, I know you're listening, Jab. Oh, yeah, I missed jab, jab down with it. I missed your tweet yesterday, Jab. He let me know about it this morning. All right, so we will get to all the tweets today. All right, so get them rolling in early here. It's Ravens Week, and I'm gonna tease a little something for the second hour of the show. All right, Ooh, I like when you get to teasing. We've got the return of a familiar segment in the second hour of the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. That's all that I'm gonna say. I'm all right. So keep those tweets rolling in. The conversation continues on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. If you're a loyal listener of the show, if you're uh, one of the megawatts, if you're part of the power grid, you know that normally at this time on Tuesday is when we talk to our buddy Brian Backo. Now, I gotta be fair here to Mr. Backo. No, we don't. Because I forget to pot down the music here. Just cranking tunes as we're trying to come into the segment here. Um, we got some issues in the studio here today. Don't 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 put it on us. You gotta put it on him. No, until, it's not on us. Until he can defend himself. Arthur Motes, I'm not gonna name any names. I'm not gonna call anybody out. All right, because you know that's not my style. I'm a nice young boy. All right, my mama raised me better than that. Nah, bro, you got a radio, so you better air him out. But Motes, we haven't had phone lines here in the studio for two years. They've been oh, telling us on, they're hey, going to hey, be don't, fixed. Don't go there now. You're going to get us fired. Don't do that. We haven't had a working TV in the studio here oh, for Lord. over a year. We've don't been told that, that there's new ones coming. Don't do it, man. You're going to get us in trouble. Don't do it. Don't do it. And this past weekend, we had problems to the soundboard. Uh, that's why we had problems starting the show on Monday, if you don't rem- if you couldn't recall. I didn't know that the soundboard in here, a bunch of the pots weren't working. And so I tried to fire off our start of the show, and we got nothing. Well, now we can't even use our hotline that we use to call our guests either because that's on the fritz. So, again, I'm not naming any names. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but I am a little frustrated. We can't talk to our buddy Brian Backo today. And if I'm just being honest with you, I don't have a ton of faith that it's going to get worked out anytime soon in the near future. But we'll find a way to keep Backo involved. I did get his score prediction because I know everyone is jonesing for that. But first of all, Motsi, the reason why we are playing this song in the background, uh, James on Twitter said on uh, your segment about AB going to the Bucks yesterday, your opening song was something like, you're never going to get my love, Mr. Big Chess. Who sang that song? Uh, well, James, here it is. It's, uh, it's Gene Knight, and the name of the song is Mr. Big Stuff, and that's where the joke came in because, you know, Antonio Brown is is Mr. Big Chest. I thought I thought it was funny, and I'm always glad to know that people are catching on to those little intricacies of the show. That's one of the, the words. The little nuances. You know? That's one of the words. Motes, there's two words that I'm really scared to say on air. Uh-huh. Intricacies is one of them. An asterisk. See, I just messed it up there. <laughs> asterisk is the other one. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I got the yips when it comes. I'm Wally pipping myself when it comes to those words. See, you better than me. You, you go a lot more transparent than I do. I just find ways to talk around my uh, inefficiencies and my shortcomings. So in lieu of no Brian Backo today, Motsi, I mean, we don't want to work harder than we normally That's do. So in this, fancy. This is, in lieu of. This is, <laughs> this is the segment where Backo normally does all the work for us, all right? right? So, I mean, you know, we just tee up a couple questions and he runs with it. So, yes, I'm upset with Brian Backo for not being available today <laughs> due to our you know phone <laughs> systems not working. You know what we should do? We should uh, we should see if we could, like, FaceTime him or call him just <laughs> on our cell phone. And, and I'll, hold it, I'll, and hold it, I'll hold it up to the microphone. <laughs> see, see if it comes through here. Um... In lieu of, I know you like that, Brian Backo. What do you say we just go to, we got the tweets rolling in here. What do you say we just take some Twitter questions in this I mean, segment? That, that sounds phenomenal. A little, little Twitter baby. Thursday here for you? You know, you know, I'm down for it. Uh, Steel Nation 19 wants to know, did Motes ever get an interception, a pick six for a touchdown? If not, does he regret it? Oh, <laughs> man. So in my career... Uh, and and Steel Nation 19 did not specify at the NFL level, Well, I was going to say, yeah, just in general, um, that was, no, yeah, yeah all right. Yeah, so in my career of playing like high school, college, NFL, yes, I have had a pick six. I had two pick sixes in my career. Actually, my first game was a true freshman, man. My like, yeah, first game on varsity to win the game, Let's had a go. pick six, bro. It was Let's nuts. Go. <laughs> 
But uh, at the NFL level, I did not have a pick six. I did have an interception in a preseason game um, against the Giants. But other than that, man, I, I never really – Got like super hyped about interceptions. Yeah, for me because More I, a sack guy. Yeah, I'm like, don't put me in coverage. I want to rush the pass. <laughs> right. So if I'm if I'm in coverage, I'm already mad. <laughs> I'm like, why I gotta be out here, man? I gotta show that I could do this. Golly, I swear to get after the quarterback. I got a ton of sack celebrations, the interceptions. Hey, man, they, they come and go. I ain't worried about that. <laughs> Steel Nation also adds. I'm praying training camp will be open as usual in Latrobe next year, so I can say hello, meet you guys, and get my number 55 Moats jersey signed. Wink, Ooh, wink. Facts. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get back to Latrobe next summer as well, too. As, as much as in a way it was nice to, you know, to not be gone for the entire month of August, it was still like I still did miss it in a way. Well, see, I didn't feel as bad because, you know, I didn't feel like you left me this year like you oh, did last would you year. Take it easy. Oh, don't act like you don't believe in me. Would you take you it know, easy? You know, come on now. You know, you're the king of, of getting the training camp and acting brand new. Again, I had to reintroduce myself to you last time I, I saw got, you at training camp. Again, as we could tell from the phone line situation in this studio, my britches aren't nearly as big as Arthur Most thinks they are. <laughs> Steel City. I'm holding you back over here. That's what's going Steel, on. Man. Oh, stop it. Steel City GF says, uh, does knowing the Ravens only won by or only beat us last year in overtime without Big Ben play a factor for us maybe still having a mental edge over them? And how do you guys see Tua versus Aaron Donald playing out? Also, I made my Twitter only just for this show. Shout out Steel City. Like Shout out Buddha seventy one. Uh, Arthur Motes, any mental edge uh, maybe over the Ravens over Lamar, knowing that they still haven't taken down the Steelers with Ben. No, I personally don't. I think each matchup is synonymous and exclusive to itself, even when it's during the same season. It's just weird how the dynamics of each game work out, especially when you're playing a team twice a team that you're so familiar with. I mean, it was times where we played against Joe Flacco. It was times where Ryan Mallett was at quarterback. I mean, we can go down the list of the different quarterbacks that have played in each matchup and each matchup following those matchups where one of those key players might not have been in it. You don't even think about it because you know just how much of a handful this game is going to be by itself that you can't go in thinking, oh, yeah, man, we we, we got them anyways because right. last year we right. did this or last year it happened like that. Each matchup is so exclusive. I mean, even I, I take it back to um, this would have been 2014. We ended up playing the Ravens three times that year. Lost to them the first time, right on a Thursday night game. I think it was the second or third game of the uh, second game of the year. Actually, lost to them on Thursday night. It was like, man, this sucks. Next time we played them on Monday night in Hinesville, we put forty on them. Mm. But then you played them in the playoffs first round, and then we get beat handily. And it's just you really can't go back and forth because it would be easy to fall into the trap after that first game of saying, "Well, dang, man, you know they they got after us, man. We lost. I think it was like seventeen ten, man. They but it, they controlled us the whole time." But then how easy would it be going into that playoff matchup to say, man, we put 40 on them and blew them out. They don't want this. Like, nah, yeah, yeah. it's just not how it works in it's these type of games. Yeah, yeah, every game in rivalries like this, especially division games where you're seeing the opponent multiple times in a year, you 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 can't let whatever happened, good or bad, in the previous matchup carry over because it will have a negative effect on you. Tua against Aaron Donald, the second part of that question. I hope it works out because uh, I got Devontae Parker in fantasy. <laughs> and when he's been healthy, he's been really good. Uh, I know Fitzpatrick has been like, you know what I'm saying? Fitzpatrick is my guy. That's why I picked him because I'm like, I know Fitzpatrick. He he quarterbacks like how I like it. If that's my guy, 
I want him to get 30 targets. All right? Don't don't spread the ball around. You force it there. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't know if Tua's going to do that, so I'm a little skeptical of it. But hopefully if Aaron Donald is coming at him, you know, and which he should be, I, I fully anticipate Aaron Donald getting after him. I just hope that he leans on my guy Devontae Parker so that way I get these fantasy points and look good. You know I'm excited for Tua. I mean, I was the guy who I'm on record. I said I would have taken him first overall. I did so. have a question for you as well as it mm-hmm. pertains to Tua. So we saw the big quote from CeCe Sabathia, right, where he yes. says that Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are the uh, – Big Ben and Eli Mannings of the class, and they said, and he says that Tua is your Philip Rivers, basically implying that he doesn't think he'll ever win a ring. He'll be good, still, you know, Hall of Fame career, but just never will be able to reach the the plateau or the <laughs> peak that those two guys, man. What do you think? I mean, I think that you could make an argument that Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Eli Manning if you take rings out of the conversation. I agree. You, 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 you remove rings and 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 make an argument for Eli being better than Philip Rivers. Eli Manning had a twelve year no. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 13-year NFL yes. career. He won playoff games in two of those 13 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, they went the whole way to the Super Bowl, and they mm-hmm. won it both those times, but only two times in 13 years did Eli Manning win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Forget that. But, but, I, but this is my thing, though. You want to forget it as it pertains to this, but why do we always put Super Bowls and playoff performances solely on the no, quarterback. No, they do matter. Because, they because certainly I, I matter. Because I feel like they matter, but I don't feel like they should be weighted to this level. And I feel like right here, we're in agreement, right? We're yeah. saying that, hey, man, Eli's two Super Bowl runs does not outweigh Phillip Rivers' regular career, what he's been able to accomplish just throughout his journey. But I, I feel like there's a large majority of people that will weigh oh, Eli's sure. career and think oh, it's better. You on that and it sure. drives me nuts. I, I will never understand how two playoff runs – can right. can outweigh what this man has done throughout right. his career. When we know to get to a Super Bowl, it's more than just one person's performance. It, it's way more than that. And a lot of people like to poo-poo Phillip Rivers in the playoffs, and there's been times where he certainly hasn't been good. And Correct. I don't know. Correct. But he also dragged that team to the AFC Championship game on a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning right. never did anything like that. Eli Manning made a lot of big plays. I don't want to take that away from him. And, and we uh, know he I feel like Eli has iconic moments. Yes. But not an iconic career well, no, per se. Because that like, defense for the Giants right, was the right. iconic part of but, that football team. But for team. us, we talk about that Super. We talk about that defense, and we talk about the helmet catch. We, we talk about the defense, and we talk about oh well, well he hit that throw over there. That was pretty cool. It, 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 I just yeah, I feel like he has good moments, man. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's not another example that's coming right to mind. But yeah, he, like and again, I don't want to. Eli had a nice career. He did, and he. I have a feeling he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But I don't. <laughs> what those two are gonna be? Uh, those two are gonna be Ben and, and Eli, and he'll be. Well, he's never gonna win anything. Like I would argue that even though we haven't seen Tua, and even though you and I both think Justin Herbert it, it can play, yeah, Tua might be in a better situation. I don't get me wrong. I think Anthony Lynn's a good coach. I think Brian Flores could be a potentially great coach. I agree. And that's a team in the Dolphins that's gonna have four picks in the top forty, top fifty of the NFL draft this year. And, like they've and got and some things going too. their way. If we're talking about the different divisions that Justin Herbert, oh, Joe Burrow, yeah, who's got, Chiefs, plays in. who's got the Chiefs in their division? You got the Chiefs who's in got one division for the next decade, and then, and then in your other division, you got who? Big Ben and Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. For 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 Tua, who the best quarterback is Josh Allen, and he's still trying to prove that he's the best quarterback because I mean we. Obviously, he's doing a really good job of that, but this is his first year of being the alpha quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. So that is really wide open over there.
it's wide open in the AFC East for for a tour. Yeah, right. Like when you think I, about that, I'm like, man, he does. He has the best situation. <laughs> We're so quick, man. Like we do this in every sport, not just in football. We are so quick to try and write people's legacies before they're even close Always. to being over. Always. And we we did that with LeBron six or seven years into his career. We did that with Ovechkin a few years into his. Oh, Ovechkin will never win the big one. Like. We're going to do that with Tua now yeah. before he's even taken a snap. We're going to crown Burrow and Herbert, Crazy, who you right? and I both think are good quarterbacks. We're going to crown them, what, off of six games, seven mm-hmm. games? It's slow your roll. Everybody just everybody was ready to crown Bryce Harper as the greatest thing ever his oh, first season man, or two absolutely. in Major League Baseball. Mike Trout's the much better player. Yes. Like, it just, just, just slow your roll here, all right? Thomas wants to know if the Steelers end up playing some sort of a spy against Lamar this week. Uh, one, who do you think that will be? And two, how does that affect coverage? So when it comes to a spy, they could do it in a couple of ways. You could do your traditional spy where you'll take one of your uh, D linemen, and I include TJ and Bud in this because you spy out of your uh, sub package ball because you're worried about the scramble or the run on passing downs, right? So you don't have to worry about having a nose out there, and now you're taking away a guy from coverage in that vein. So what you would do is you you can do a three-man rush and blatantly show that the guy is spying, and typically you'll see that guy line up right over the ball and just kind of bounce his feet. Right. Um, I know in Pittsburgh, from personal experiences, when we would spy, we would try to disguise it a little bit. So we would have one side of the line rushing like normal. Then the other side, we would try to do some type of tackle in stunt, right? Knowing that when the end is twisting around, all you're doing, you're not twisting to go get the quarterback. You're twisting to just end up over the ball and now you're spying. But it just gives you a different look pre-snap to post-snap to kind of help you and ultimately help the rush. That's one way you can go about it. Another thing that you could do is say, all right, we want to still have our four-man rush, but we want to have a regular spy. You play either zone coverage behind it or you could play man behind it. But in my I, from, from my perspective, I think you would either sub out Spillane for Ulysses Gilbert, who they already were using on obvious passing downs, and instead, once you put Gilbert in, because obviously Gilbert is the more fleet-footed between him, Vince, and Spillane, I personally would have Gilbert be in the spot because you're going to have to have somebody that can run an open-field tackle with Lamar. Vince Williams, if he's blitzing him, great. But if you're going to ask Vince to line up five yards off the ball and run Lamar is going to get a two-way line. go, I mean, that's, that's not his strength. So I would have Ulysses Gilbert be the spy, and you can still play man off of that because when you play man-to-man defense, you're always going to have two defenders who are free. You have a low defender, that's your low rat or low hole defender, and then you have your safety in the middle of the field. Now, the reason why we don't ever talk about the linebackers is because they're typically two-on-one on the running back. So if we're lined up right and left, if the running back goes to the left, you have him. Now, I'm the free defender. Right, right. If he comes to the right, I have him. Now, you're the free defender. So you can do that. Like I said, have Ulysses Gilbert say, hey, Vince, wherever he goes, you're taking him. I'm going to spy Lamar right here. And you can do it that way as well. Still play man-to-man behind it. If you try to play zone off of it, now it can get a little complicated because you're ultimately going to take somebody away from the guys that are supposed to be dropping from a zone right. standpoint. But if you're playing man, which the Steelers have been doing a lot of this year, especially on possession downs, you can kind of get away with it without it ultimately uh, having uh, having to rearrange the structure of your defense as a whole, which you really never want to do if you don't have to. Yeah, as, as few moving parts as yes. possible. Jab tweets, I'm curious 
uh, about your guys' thoughts on the Des Bryant signing. I've been arguing with people uh, as to if Des has anything left in the tank. Before he left the Cowboys, he was starting to not be able to separate from defensive backs. Now he's on the practice squad for the Ratbirds. Can he beat out those sorry receivers? <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest thing with Des is more so just health-related. When he went to New Orleans uh, a year ago, People were talking about how that first day of practice, how he was lighting it up. Everybody was raving about what he did. And the Ravens posted he made some really nice yeah. catches in practice yesterday that they posted on their Twitter account. And, and the biggest thing is this. Um, with Dez, first off, I know early on in his career, he was the guy that you, you know, were downfield threats, but about midway through that, because he was never this like elite burner. He was a great combat catch guy, jump ball guy. Towards the back end when Dak, that last year with Romo and then when Dak first took over, that was still his game. When we played them on that, was it Sunday 425 game, when we we had already on him and we already told him, we said, man, we're not, you don't have to worry about this guy outrunning you. That's not his game. He is going to be super physical at the catch point, though. He, I mean, you you can feel you have him blanketed, but he does a phenomenal job of when the ball is about to, to come into play for him to be able to catch it, he does just a great job doing enough hand fighting, doing a subtle movement here to separate and catch. Think of a Jason Witten, Heath Miller late in their career, right? They weren't yep. the fastest, they weren't the most athletic, but what were they going to do? If it was zone, they were going to sit in a soft spot, and if it was man, they were going to essentially use body position, almost like a, a basketball player boxing on for a rebound to get in position to make that catch. That's what Dez was the last two to three years of his career in Dallas. So I fully expect him to do similar things. You don't lose the combat catchability. In no. fact, it's a benefit for him not being a blazer because if you go from being a blazer to now having to operate like that, it can be drastically different. But for Dez, his game is going to be very similar to what we were already accustomed to seeing. Now the biggest challenge is going to be Lamar Jackson's ball placement. Sure. With Romo, we know Romo was a very accurate passer. Romo could put the ball where it needed to be. Dak has proven over his career to be able to do similar things. With Lamar, he he can do it, but he hasn't done it consistently enough yet. We haven't seen him consistently throw guys up. We haven't seen him consistently put the ball in tight windows. Right. If he, he And don't tell me, well, he's done it. Well, well, I can show one or two examples of that. That's not consistently. Those are outliers. It's a difference. We think of Ben. We have a reel each week of throws where he's throwing guys open, where he's putting the ball in tight windows where only his guy can get it. We haven't seen that a, a consistently enough from Lamar. So that's the only thing I have in terms of concerns with how he can impact Des Bryant and vice versa. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I I I I wonder like it it's tough for me. I do think he's still got some ability certainly and I I agree with everything you say about the combat catch. I just worry he hasn't played an NFL game since December of 2017. I mean, mm -hmm. that was a long time ago. But if he can offer them anything, he'll he'll get some snaps for the Ravens because as Jab said, they do have some sorry receivers. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be real about it. The two guys you're talking about are Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed. Hollywood is more of a burner right now. Mm -hmm. Willie Sneed is more of your, your intermediate short routes and stuff like that, more of your combat catch guy. There is definitely room for Dez. And you also have to remember this. Dez can block. Dez is a bigger body receiver. He's not a little guy. So even if your whole purpose when you first start out is – Man, we're going to bring you in to block on some of these plays instead of having Hollywood Brown out there trying to run guys off and people catching on to that now. Have you block out here, and then every once in a while we're going to throw you a jump ball. We'll throw you a back shoulder fade. We'll throw you a comeback route. And, and you do that until you can continue to build it and right, ultimately create right. your own repertoire. That's kind of how you operate with the Dez in that scenario and, and why, like I said, I think it makes sense for the Ravens to pick him up. Now, I, I did personally, if 
on Baltimore, I probably would have done the A-B move just because of him and Lamar and Hollywood Brown's relationship. But if you don't want to even have to deal with the headaches or the uncertainty of what could potentially go wrong, the Des Bryant move was, was perfect sense. I mean, you could go, obviously, with the younger player, but are they going to be a proven commodity in terms of knowing this guy's hands, knowing what right. this guy brings to the table? Now, I understand it's a ceiling. It's capped. You know it's not going to get any better than this. Right. It's not going to look like it was when he was right. 26 years old. But but at least you know what to what to have. I mean, you know what to expect. And now that you know what to expect, you can formulate a plan right. to, to maximize that. Versus you taking somebody that you really don't know if he's good or not, but he's a great athlete. And now you're spending these first couple weeks trying to just figure out what he can do. What he is. Because if you're available right now, we already said that. You're, you're not available at week eight of the NFL season if you're a, an elite talent, like right. it's just that's not what it is, unless you you know, it, it, especially if you're not coming off of an injury or something like that. Like those guys are already on roster, so at this point in the season, yeah, I, I don't have any issue with that move. I think it makes sense for them. Keep the tweets rolling in. Glenn and Antonio have got some questions about the secondary. Russell's got a nickname for Deontay Johnson here. We'll get to all those tweets on the other side. I do want to know though, Motsi, since this was normally the Brian Backo segment here, mm-hmm. I got his score prediction. Do I say it now or do we just wait until tomorrow and we give ours and we'll, no, we'll get we back to it? No, we always say it now because we got to react and, and, and give him a lot of uh, not nice tweets, especially if he picks the wrong team. All right. Now remember, <laughs> direct all angry tweets to at Brian Backo on the Twitter.com. He's got Ravens 30, Steelers 28. Even when, Bra- even when Brian Backo isn't here, he still finds a way to incite the masses, <laughs> to get the riot started up. Brian Backo, have you not learned your lesson? Why do you always pick against the Steeler brethren? Huh? Huh? In fact, didn't you? He goes. Like, like, like seriously, seriously. This is the third time this year that he's picked against the Steelers. Come on, Brian. He, He goes, he goes, it's me, the hater. Ravens win 30 to 28, Steelers cover. Hi, yay, yay. Remember, that's not Moats and I. You'll get our predictions tomorrow. Direct all angry tweets to Brian like Backo on the dot com. I like Backo, but it's like, bro, what are you? Come on, baby. Don't do this. To, not, come on, baby. Come on now. Come we got plenty now. more tweets to get to here, Moatsy. Let's keep this thing ro- rolling. We'll finish out this first hour of the show, a little Twitter Thursday. So get your tweets, your questions, comments, concerns, reactions in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Having some fun here on a Thursday. The tweets have broken out, Arthur Motes. And we're, uh, we're just rolling with this Twitter Thursday thing here. Close out the first hour, maybe even roll into the second hour. Glenn wants to know... Um, from what I saw in the Steelers-Titans game, it looked like our linebackers were lining up very close to the line of scrimmage, leaving a large gap underneath the safeties. Can either one of you guys please explain? Was that for Derrick Henry? Uh, when you're Because this is the thing. They did multiple things. So in the middle of the field, right, in terms of not in goal line situations, yes, at times they did creep up because you want to get to Derrick. Or also not just get to Derrick before you get started, but more importantly – to take off the double teams. So when you see linebackers sitting back at five yards, a lot of times with the blocking schemes and run game, it's going to be, all right, guard, you take this guy, tackle, you chip this guy or stay on this guy until a linebacker comes down to you. If the linebacker never comes to you, you take that defender 
and you and your guard double taking him back to that linebacker because ultimately the running back is behind you following him. But by them creeping up their alignment and ultimately forcing the action a lot early, it takes that double and make it a single block and now Cam to it. Tyson can get off and make a play a lot sooner. You can't double those guys. Right, but when you – and as a D lineman, you would hate when your linebackers were very passive or very – pass heavy in terms of man I got to make sure I sit back here so I can take care of this pass thing because you, you just sit here and the double just stays on you the whole time and you're getting blown off because it's two guys on one but by cheating up yes it does help in the run game but what the Steelers did to complement it so that way I, I know you could see a big gap but the way that they did it to combat that is like I said when you're playing man-to-man defense you're not worried about that space because once the play starts anyways, if that back were to run to the flat, that linebacker's not going to be there right. anyways. If that right. tight end goes to the flat, you're not going to be there anyways. And knowing just their style of play and the, the amount of play action, run action stuff, your coverage would take you to the ball anyways. So that's why they were creeping up like that. So it could help with the run, but more importantly from a man-to-man standpoint, help from a coverage standpoint. And then from there, I mean, that's the whole gunfighters get shot narrative. We saw where... <laughs> It worked out great, and then we saw where they got shot. <laughs> right. It, it right. happens. But as a whole, they did a really good job of what? Minimizing Derrick Henry, which was, I mean, that was the 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 number one thing they had to do, right? We weren't worried about Tannehill ultimately throwing for a crazy amount and beating us that way. We were worried about Derrick Henry going crazy. So you have to live with it. You can't take away everything. It's just it's not possible in the NFL. Right. I mean, you try right. to take away everything, you're going to take away nothing. And, yeah, it's going to look That's- really bad. That's why there's no perfect defense in the Absolutely, NFL, right? Man. Or else everybody and, would play. Listen, every call has a weakness. <laughs> yep. Every single call, offense, defense, special teams, has a weakness. And really, we, we'd always joke. We would say, it doesn't matter what the call is. If you want me to just draw up, you know, how to beat anything that you put up there with his offensive defense, just give me the pin last. If you give me the pin last, yeah. I can react and draw something up here that's going right. to be the new. Oh, you're right. going to the flat? Okay, we're going to run cover two. Oh, now you're going deep? Oh, we're going to run cover four. Oh, now you're running? Okay, we're going to run cover three. It's just how that scenario goes, man. Antonio says uh, he likes the idea of the low hole safety being the spy and believes Terrell Edmonds would be amazing in that position this week. I mean, I'm not opposed to Terrell Edmonds doing it. I think that they're going to use a mix of They'll him mix and Mika, yeah. though. Because, like I said, man, Mika has been playing a lot in the low hole. I know he's done a, a good amount in the middle of the field as well, but we talked about the interception that he had against the Browns. That was him low hole jumping a route. He's been doing that a good amount, so I can see a situation where they use multiple guys, and this is the thing why you do use multiple guys. Wes, if I tell you this is the answer, the test is tomorrow. (laughs) When you take that test, you're going to know the answer, right? You're going to be like, oh, I know that. You just told me that's the guy, right? That's what it is. Each and every time, that's the answer. So if we use the same spot, and and it doesn't matter where you walk around it, but you know every time it's going to be him, Eventually, you're going to say, what? Oh, I know how to I know how to uh, combat this. Let me drop something real quick to beat this. So that's why you're going to have to use different people as spies. It's going to be scenarios, like I said, where Minka is the guy, where Edmonds is the guy. It might be a scenario where uh, Vince is the guy. You might see TJ. You might see Bud. They're going to use different, ath- different uh, uh, people to operate as that spy because you want to continue to make them think. You want right, to continue to right. make them hesitate. With Lamar, Lamar is at his best. When he is able to extend, when he's able to get out the pocket, and he's not thinking, now he's just balling. He's able to freelance out right. there. Yeah. But the way you make him have to work harder, the way you beat them, is by making him have to see and say, okay, man, what is this coverage? Make him think just a little bit longer. So now, instead of him just saying, okay, I know as soon as I play fake this, I'm going to the right. Now I don't have that. Now I got to say, okay, well, what is that then? All right, well, what can I do now? 
and you're doing all this while this rush is coming as well. Right, right. Make him have to play faster than he wants to. He have to think faster than he wants to. And ultimately, that is going to help the defense play at a lot better rate right there. We got some anti-backo tweets rolling in Uh-oh, here. Uh-oh, the Batman. Uh, Steel Champs says, I actually enjoy Brian's pick. He's creating the wins for us. When he says we'll lose, we win. Keep up the good work, Brian. Richard says, forget Brian B. He's probably running around with a Ray Lewis or Terrell Suggs jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I love 5-5. Five five. Just sucks. Oh, I always thought he was more of an Ed Reed kind of guy, personally. E.D. Reed. <laughs> Jeez. We got a bunch more tweets to do to get to here. We will do that on the other side. Keep those coming in at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Loving the participation on the Twitter.com today. We'll continue to get to your questions, comments, concerns, reactions. We'll also have the return of an old favorite segment in hour number two. So don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Victorious! That's good. Me too. Hour number two. Inside the Electric Factory. It's Arthur Motes, it's Wesley Euler, and I tell you what, we've had some kind of participation on the Twitter.coms today, and let's keep that rolling. You know, why not? Right? Is that fair with you? You good with that, Motsy? Hey, man, it's perfect to me. I love hearing from the Power Grid, man. I love being able to well, Twitter Thursday to, to just kind of get their questions and, and let that be the driving force can, compared to how we usually do it, where right. we're the driving force and it's more reacting we'll to the We'll sprinkle in yeah. some reactions. Yeah, now we're letting you drive the, the vehicle here today, all right? You're you're on the wheel here. We're just sitting in the back seat, feet up, just, you know, just we're Sunday driving. We're back so, seat so, driving so here. I'm going to tell y'all like how my mom used to tell me, don't crash the whip now. <laughs> All right, don't crash the whip. Oklahoma's own. What do you guys think of these knuckleheads that say Big Ben isn't a first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, what you mean like Cam Jordan? A A Ron? <laughs> you talking about A A Ron? Uh, Big Ben is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's top ten, or at least going to be top ten in every important quarterback metric by the time that he retires. He has never had a losing season as a starting quarterback. I don't see that changing any time in his uh, remaining career. A one organization guy, which I think helps you in these types of things, you know what I mean? He's a Steeler, and all the Steelers in the Hall of Fame and all the Steelers media really going to bat for this guy. And a multiple Super Bowl champion. Three Super Bowl appearances, two rings on his finger. I mean, he's, he's first ballot. It's a layup, Motes. It's I not never, even a slam dunk, I, listen, it's a layup. I never thought it was a debate. I mean, even if we t- just took away his last three years, I'm like, bro, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, what he's right. been able to accomplish <laughs> right. from a statistical standpoint, along with having the hardware, which we know matters so much when it comes to quarterbacks, I feel like, man, he checks all those boxes. I never thought, like I said, that I was a debate. And I think he had a big benefit because he played in Pittsburgh. In terms of the, the history of the franchise, that helps. How, it was, how it was viewed league-wide. If you're playing in Jacksonville – you have to do a lot more. You wanna, if, you if you're playing in Arizona, you got to do a lot more. One of my favorite quotes, Jack Ham mm-hmm. once said that if I would have been drafted by the New Orleans Saints, nobody would have known who I was. It's very true. So, so these, I mean, these things do matter for sure. Well, shoot. I mean, for me, man, it blew me up coming to Pittsburgh, man. Like, it's just something about being in Pittsburgh is just different in terms of how it is viewed from a national standpoint. Yes. 
it's it's like that. I mean, you in Pittsburgh, you get attention as if you're playing in New York City, as if you're playing in Dallas, if you're playing in L.A. That typically doesn't happen in small markets. Right. It's Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Right, That's right. About it. Exactly. It's not like this Philadelphia. This is Pittsburgh. Like, right. let's be real about right. this the thing. It's the 21st, yes. 22nd biggest city in the country. Absolutely. So when, when you really think about that, man, that speaks volumes it to does, what yeah. the Steelers brand means. 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, but anyone thinks Ben is in the first battle hall of fame is a straight up hater. That's it. That's simple. You a hater? Champs with some Z's. Steel says, Professor Mutz, thank you for uh, for your YouTube channel. He likes your breakdowns oh, of the defense and the offense. But he says, tell Deke to always have a pen and paper because you're always schooling him. Oh. Hey, come on, man. You can't be taking shots at Deke when it's not his come own on, show. Man. Don't, don't come yeah, at Deke today. He can't even defend himself here on this. Uh, poor Deke. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, man. Well, I definitely appreciate you tuning in, man. We always keep the film reviews going, man. Got to, you know, take people inside the, the thought process of the players and the coaches a little bit, man, to let you just know what we're looking at and thinking. So Russell says he's been, uh, you know, he's been thinking about our nickname conversations. Okay, okay. All right? He he says he's got one for Deontay Johnson and one for Chase Claypool. All right, let's hear it. For Deontay Johnson, he goes with the yak attack. Mm. Enough said. I think that makes sense. Yeah. He's a yards after catch oh, guy. No question. I like that. And he says the only thing I can come up with for uh, Chase Claypool is snake eyes because he wears the number 11. Number 11. Ooh. I kind of like that. I snake, eyes. snake eyes. So literally, I like snake eyes. I saw somebody else say call him Channel 11. Channel it was kind of like, well, okay. you know, everybody yeah. has a Channel right. 11. It's right. everywhere, right. you know? Everyone's got a Channel 11. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, all right. The signal's okay. always on with Channel yeah. 11, yeah. right? You know that. I mean, yeah. I think we're working on something there we with the some, numbers. We got some things going we're on here. And I like on. how they weren't Canadian either. <laughs> we didn't have to put, like, Canadian Channel 11 or or Canadian Snake Eyes. <laughs> Don Juan uh, says it, asks if we saw the video of Dez in practice wearing the number 11, imitating Chase Claypool. Yeah, we, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. He did make some nice catches, but we'll see how the, the athleticism yeah. adds up compared to Chase Claypool. <laughs> Listen, man, I would always laugh when whenever we would have some of our players put on the jersey to emulate Lamar Jackson. The, the guy, you're like, bro. <laughs> You're not even close to this. <laughs> if you were, you'd be you'd on be the roster. Right, right, right. <laughs> or, or, or you do this portion well, but not that portion. So for Dez, you can do the combat catching. You're going to need somebody else to do the speed. You're going to need somebody else for the blocking. Like, That's yeah. why I always love when they're like, oh, this team, they brought in uh, such and such guy. Yeah. Who, he, he, who, he's going to be the – he can uh, – Remember this old quarterback <laughs> from Kansas State? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they brought him in because they're trying to prepare for uh, Deshaun Watson right. this week. Well, if that old quarterback from Kansas State was any good, he'd be on a roster. Absolutely. He ain't going to help you get ready for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Don Juan also uh, says he agrees that he thinks uh, Tua and Herbert are going to be the two best quarterbacks of this class mm. i think joe burrow can ball i do um joe burrow's is in a rough situation he's in a he's in a rough spot he but is, but but i will say this mr joe uh-oh you have a great guy coming there to protect you now good friend of mine i call him swaggy b oh he goes by the name of, of this, b formerly of this finney. parish yes indeed so because carlos dunlap got traded you got bj finney coming in to help you out on the offensive line you're going to like him. Awesome guy. Super swag. He could dress with the best of him, man. So I am excited about that. That's about the only thing Joe has going for him right now. Keeping these tweets rolling in on Twitter. At Wesley Euler. At the body 52 The body. Where Jarrett says, big game for the front seven on defense and a big game from number seven. I think that's the recipe for a Steelers win. Yeah. The front seven has to do their job, man. <clears throat> Especially when we're talking about the defense element, you got to first off contain Lamar, but on offense, man, you got to protect seven. Seven 
can cook. We've already seen glimpses and flashes of Seven doing what Seven does, okay? The biggest thing is just keep him upright. Give him time. You give him time, man, he's going to be able to have some success on this Ravens defense because as good as they are, they are, are undisciplined at times. They have communication issues at times. And it's not just a one-week thing. It showed up in every single game this year for them. So, yeah, I, I agree, man. Seven could definitely go to work out there. Now, it will be a little different though protecting them because – they have a new addition from a pass rush standpoint that I'm not too happy about. Ooh, that they do. <sighs> yeah, by the name of Yannick Ngakwe. And, and it's reminding me of the Jaguars D-line that came in here yeah. and gave us some issues. Because we know what Calais. Calais, he looks like a creative player. He's not supposed to be out there. It's like when I was 13 and I would create myself on Madden, and I would be 6'9", six six, 340 pounds, pounds run a 4'3". Like, yeah, that's, that's what Calais looks like out there right now. So, yeah, adding Yannick, just, ah, I'm not really happy about that. Moats, which one, who was it from the uh, the Jags, that the one that Lev Bell just broke his ankles and, like, the uh, mic'd up video became really oh, popular? Oh, uh, Malik Jackson. That was Malik Jackson? Yeah, he's like, okay. oh, <laughs> I'm going to broke my leg. He said, man, I'm going to broke my leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Funny thing is this, though. Every Pittsburgh defender doing the L-Bell era, we all laughed because we said we have been there numerous times. Oh. Man, my first training camp here in Pittsburgh, we're going against Elbow. And this is when Elbow's first starting to change his style of running, right? We talked about his rookie year versus second, right, which when right, he really right, changed. Right. Man, I'm thinking I got a free hit on Elbow. I'm coming on the backside, unblocked, just like Malik Jackson. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I needed to make a play all practice. You know you got that feeling like, man, sure. I got to make a play this here. Day, this is my day. I'm having a good day, but I just need this one right here just to solidify it. Man, I came in there so hard, and my man sidestepped me. I'll hit straight air, wrapped up air, face in the grass. I was like, Lord, have mercy. Where did he go? And you look at the film, and you're like, oh. <laughs> and literally all of us that have played, man, you ask Shazier, you can ask Timmons, Vince Williams, Bud, Jarvis, Cam, to it. You go down the list. We all have had that moment like, oh, oh, dang, oh, where, what happened? Oh, all right, did anyone see that? <laughs> if you, I just tried to find the audio here in our system. I'm Yo, not seeing it, it anywhere, hilarious. unfortunately. But if you haven't seen what we're talking about, just go on Google. If you put in Malik Jackson, Lev it Bell, I'm, I'm sure it'll come man. up. It's hilarious. He gets shook out of his just boots by Lev, and then he goes back to the sideline. He's like, that boy almost broke my oh, leg. Broke my leg. <laughs> we got more <laughs> tweets. We got more tweets rolling in. We will get to those uh, here before we sign off. But on the other side, Moats, something that we haven't done. Since the start of the season. Oh, oh, Since training camp. Okay, I'm excited. What do we got here? A little three-question Thursday. The return of an old favorite segment. You're right. We haven't been here on Ooh. Thursdays either, Well, we've been here. We just had so much to we talk still, about. Yeah, you're right. But you know what? It's been a while. We're bringing it back today. I love three-question Thursday. That's my we're favorite thing to do on a Thursday. today, baby. No, so I will ask it? Arthur Motes a three-pack of very important questions. On the other side. Keep mm -hmm. those tweets coming in. At West Steeler at the body 52. The body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Ah, it's the return of an old friend here on Thursday. Uh, one of our original segments, one of our original benchmarks on the show. Simple concept, three-question Thursday. I ask Arthur Motes an inquisitive three-pack of questions. Dear Watson, 
I don't know why I just went all British Sherlock Holmes on you there. Two are usually related to sports. One is usually very outside of the box. Let's get right to it. Motsi, what do you want first here? Let's go sports. Let's get the sports one out the way, because then after that, I can have a little fun. Okay. It's the one that you and I, actually, you just started asking me about this during the break, and I oh, said, well, hold on. I said, hold on. This is one of the topics of, uh, okay. of Three Question Thursday, so let's okay. save it. Arthur Motes, what's your confidence in the Big Ten football situation? This is something you and I talked about like two months ago. Yes. There's stricter requirements than the other Power Five leagues. We're seeing what's going on with Wisconsin. That game's been canceled against Nebraska this weekend. They're saying that it's not going to be postponed. Nebraska even tried to play, I think it was Chattanooga instead, uh, an FCS school, uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, and, and the Big Ten told them, no, we're not rescheduling games. We're not post, or you know, we're not doing any of that. It's, it's the eight conference games that you get to play or whatever it is, and that's it. And if you miss one, you miss one. What's your confidence in just the Big Ten, the rest? I mean, we're, this is one week in. What's the rest of the, the way going to look like? They have no bye weeks, no nothing yeah. built into the schedule. I'm not too convinced with it. But, I, I mean, I, like I said, me and you talked about this when it first dropped. We both had our questions in terms of, was this the Big Ten? Was this the Big Ten's way of just responding to the negative press that they received for taking the precautions? And were they really trying to get a season played? Or, like I said, they just trying to – give the people the illusion that they're trying to do is when we really know the intentions aren't there because when you look at how uh i guess strict and how i guess tedious the rules were for the big 10 compared to like the sec and the acc in terms of all right if you have a, a positive test how right. long you have to sit out and things like that three weeks first two weeks right and, and even with that we we even said at times we felt like the acc and sec yeah, they might not have operated fully to that extent because we felt that the money was kind of the driving force instead of the health of the players. Well, I feel like in the Big Ten, it's more driven by the health of the players. But we know from a national standpoint, I mean, the nation is split 50-50 in terms of COVID, in terms of do they think it's as serious as it is or do they not think it's as serious at all? Right. There hasn't been any real gray area or middle ground. No. It's either lock down everything right. or get back to business. So so for me, I didn't necessarily have an issue with the Big Ten taking that approach of putting player safety first. But it's just you can see how it's the exact opposite of the ACC and SEC. And that's why I have my concerns because if you're driven by money, you're going to make some decisions that may be a little flawed, may could could potentially compromise people, but you're doing it because of the dollar. Sure. With the Big Ten, that wasn't their motive. So I don't think that they're going to feel any type of way if they don't get those games played compared to some of these other conferences. So that's the biggest reason why yeah. I don't think that they do get the season played to the full extent. we already seen just off of this right here that they're already going to be down one game, right. and they already said they're not rescheduling right. games either. No bye weeks. Right. So so they are already letting you know they're not going to do a lot of moving around. They're not going to be very flexible with right. it. And this is the thing, too. It's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's their choice. At the end of the day, it is their choice when it comes to how you operate, how you handle COVID. We talked about that at nauseum mm -hmm. in terms of just how people view it differently. So I'm not against their actions. I just think that that's just the approach that they took. I think that's fair. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, you w w they eight, eight games in eight weeks, no bye weeks, no reschedules. You're right. I mean, it's they are they have been very kind of steadfast in, mm -hmm. in, in their approach for sure. I. <laughs> You know what's going to be really interesting to me, Arthur Motes, is if we get to the end of the season and you've got 
undefeated Alabama. You've got undefeated Clemson. You've got one loss Georgia, okay, who their only loss is to Alabama. You've got one loss Notre Dame, who their only loss is to Clemson. And then you've got like a 6-0 and or 7-0 and Ohio State team. Then what? Then who gets into the playoff? You know what I mean? Like it, it was if Ohio State only ends up playing six or seven games, and you've got a, a nine and one Notre Dame, or you've got a nine and one Georgia, and their only loss was to Alabama or Clemson in a close game. Whoo, Motsi, I can feel the drama coming already, baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess for me, man, I always just looked at this season as it's one off. It's yeah by itself. So. If you have a scenario where you have an undefeated but only five or six game Ohio State team and you want to give the nod to a team that played nine or ten games, I'm not against that. I Me think either. the biggest issue, I don't think that this is an issue for the conferences. I look at the NCAA and say this is on you because the NCAA tried to do what the government did in terms of just saying, hey, we're going to be Switzerland. We're stepping out of this. Y'all decide <laughs> what y'all want to do. Like, let's be real about it. Under <laughs> any other circumstance with the NCAA, when have they oh, ever they when have they ever said, oh, each conference do what y'all want to do? They have never done yeah, that. When but have they given states rights exactly. before? <laughs> but, but now all of a sudden, because, oh, if we choose wrong, we could look bad in this. Now we don't want to be the captain. We don't want the liability. Now we don't want that. Put it on the conferences. So that's why for me, I'm like – I don't care in terms of how you want to view this championship from a college level and who gets into the dance and not, because it wasn't on them. Those conference presidents and committees were forced to make decisions that were not their job. The job was of the NCAA, they are the ones who oversee everything. If, if a player took an extra dollar to, to get a, a, a Happy Meal, just to feed himself, the NCAA put, would if, be the first ones down there. If they got too much cream there. cheese for exactly. their bagel, like, the, the which NCAA, is legitimately a violation. The NCAA would be the first ones down there harping on it and, and throwing down sanctions and things like that. But now when you have something that, oh, you really need leadership, y'all the first ones want to turn your back. I like you don't want mm-hmm. it. I, I don't have nothing to do with this one. It's not on me. So that's why like, I just feel like this whole collegiate season – I just put it as a one-off because, yeah, yeah. It, from the from the beginning of it, when the NCAA stepped out of it, man, it was going to be a disaster. Three-question Thursday, question number two. Let's stick along these same lines. You know, there have been a lot of discussion, Arthur Motes, about what's the best rivalry in the NFL this week, mm-hmm. right? Steelers-Ravens, uh, Packers-Bears, um, Niners-Seahawks thrown into the conversation, right? Uh, a bunch of different games um, put out there. Saints and Falcons was another one that was floated out there. Arthur Motes. It's the best rivalry in college sports. Man, if this was uh, five, ten years ago, I would say Florida State, Florida, Florida State, Miami. Those were always crazy, crazy, crazy. Always a national championship on the line. USC, Notre Dame doing the Matt Leonard and Reggie Bush time frame was nuts. Oklahoma and Texas had its day. Those are crazy. I feel like I guess – now, I mean, just off of the rivalries and who's been consistent or at least comparable, I would probably say Texas, Oklahoma, because we, we can go down the list. We already talked about Ohio State, Michigan. Is that really a rivalry when it's been dominated by one side for it's still a rivalry, but it's not it's right. not the best. And, and, like, and when not. you look at just the history of it, the history of it makes it look a lot better. But when you look at the short term of it, it's like man, it's been very lopsided. Whereas at least with yeah. Oklahoma and Texas. We see it's like man, they back and still forth every year. are back yeah. and forth, still back and forth. Yeah. Where and then, like I said, obviously Florida State has dropped has dropped off a ton. Miami as well too. Miami, Florida is kind of getting back into it. Miami is trying to get back into it, but it's just it's it's not there anymore yeah. in that regard. Alabama, Auburn, 
is oh, obviously yeah, a great one. That, the that Iron was, Bowl. Yeah, you can't the go wrong with the Iron Bowl. You know what's the most consistent rivalry, yeah. though, in college I might, sports? I might, cha- I might go Iron Bowl, actually. I would go Iron Bowl in football, for yeah, sure. I'm going Iron Bowl. Um, both those teams have won national championships yeah. in the last dozen years. Were we just going football or were we talking basketball, too? You could throw basketball in there, too. Oh, well, you know what I'm going with, then. Duke UNC. Absolutely. That is, when you talk about a balanced rivalry, that's the college yes. equivalent of Steelers-Ravens. No question. Do you know this, Arthur Motes, that before, Healthy respect. before they played in February, mm. okay, this past February, uh-huh. In the last 100 games between Duke and UNC on the hardwood. Oh, yeah. 50 wins for Duke, 50 mm-hmm. wins for UNC. It's like identical. They both scored 7,764 yes. points. Yes. That's a proper rivalry, man. It's, like I said, identical mirror images in terms of how they recruit. They they both recruit Nine to beat miles one another. Away from Absolutely. Each other. <laughs> I'm recruiting players at Duke to beat UNC. I'm recruiting players at UNC to beat Duke. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how it is. It's a it's a great rivalry, <laughs> and they're always in the conversation. They're always in the mix too, from a national standpoint. Yep. I feel like so that helps the rivalry out as well. Both of those schools we have won see, national championships, right? We don't see too many down years. Even this past year, where UNC did have a down year due to injuries, the Duke UNC game was still highly contested. Right, like, right. What are we talking about here? Right. It was still crazy. That's the thing. Even when one of the schools has a, a down <laughs> yes. year, it's still always a good game. No question. That's man. a rivalry, man. Three question Thursday. Question number three. The last one. The pop culture off the sports grid. One. Here we go. Arthur Motes, last night and this morning, something cool happened for me, okay? Ooh, okay, So okay. last night, you know, I do that that Wednesday night show with Tim Benz and Adam Crowley mm-hmm. from 7 till 9 o'clock. And you just watch Liverpool highlights during those, <laughs> those two were making fun of me for liking the Grateful Dead, okay? Mm, okay? But after the show was over, you know, Crowley goes, he goes, you know, honestly, I, I don't think I've ever really listened to the Dead. Like, give me something, you know, like, tell me what to listen to. I'll right, give it a right. shot. So I said to him, I said, listen to the American Beauty album, all right? Start there, American Beauty, their album from 1970. Let me know what you think. This morning, Crowley texted me, American Beauty, I loved it. It's easy listening. It's great. Give me something else. And I said, all right, Working Man's Dead. That's my second right, favorite right. Grateful Dead album, all right? And then 20 minutes later, he sends me an adorable video of his daughter dancing around on the couch to the Grateful Dead. Aww. So, That's Arthur Motes. That's very precious. I ask you, one musical act or, you know, musical person and one movie that you love introducing other people to because the Grateful Dead is my musical act and after you give yours I'll I'll give my movie. From a music standpoint I guess it could be a TV show too. One thing you yeah. watch, one thing you listen to that you love introducing people to who are unknown. You know so don't give me like the Rolling Stones, you know, it's something a little it, bit it, deeper it, than it, that. Even though I do feel like Grateful, to me, Grateful Dead is kind of, I mean, like, bro, you should know the Grateful Dead. Or, I mean, you should. I mean, should. I just, but all right, all right, I'll follow you. So let me find a, uh... like, I know there's some musical act. There's somebody out there. Well, that for you... me, Billy Joel, he's, he's a guy I love because we always talk one. about how everyone loves Elton John, right? He's yep. the one that, that is the mega star. Is Sir always. Elton. Right. But Billy Joel, man, I feel like he has a crazy catalog that does rival. But it's a lot of times you don't know it's Billy Joel until I tell you, hey, this is a Billy Joel song right here. Right? You're like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's dope, too. I like that. I like so for that me, answer. man, that, that's that's the one guy that I'm always like, hey, if somebody hasn't really heard him, I'm like, yo, just give him a listen, man. It's, it's like I said, easy to listen to. Family friendly, like you, you, you good in whatever scenario good, you want to be. Vibes, music, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's, it's good in the storytelling, and I always love that element of it. So that would be the one from a musical standpoint. From a, I guess, TV or movie standpoint, for TV, I tell people if you haven't seen The Wire or The Shield, go back. The you want to watch The those. Wire's a great one. Golly, if you're into complex storylines, if you're into 
you know, one episode, but but you need to see like two and three to keep it going and leading up to see how it's just complex it is. That's the wire. If you want just each show by itself, don't have to worry about what happened last show. It's action. The shield. So I th- like those it. are the two I always would tell people because during that era too, remember you had to watch this when it was happening live. Right. You didn't have this luxury of DVR mm-hmm. or recording things on Netflix and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that those would be the two from a TV standpoint. And then from a movie, uh. If nothing comes to mind, that's okay. Well, because the thing is, I have a ton of movies. You know that. It's more so. It's more so trying to figure out what's considered a big time movie versus what's like a regular movie. Uh, But I would say. (laughs) Uh oh. Uh oh. He's laughing over there, folks. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because in my mind, I just go through these different movies, and I'm like, ooh, well, that. But you know what? I, I would say two movies I want people to check out. Menace to Society and Boys the and Boys in the Hood. So you could just, oh, especially yeah. when you think about just today's climate, right? And 100%. you hear, especially minorities, talking about certain things, their feelings when it comes to police officers, their feelings when it comes to just overcoming their circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And how a lot of us as professional athletes, we come from very similar circumstances that are talked about in those two movies in terms of Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society. And just when you see them and it just opens your eyes and change the perspective. Oh, man. So this these are some of the things. And just remember, that's Hollywood. So it's still not even as bad as it really is in real life. Mm-hmm. I can assure you of that. Mm-hmm. But just to, to, to further understand and have a little bit more context and just openly to, to ultimately broaden, broaden your horizons. Those would be the two I would say in that regard. Those are two great answers. And then you're going to make you're going to put me to shame. Oh, stop it, man. Uh, you have me on the clock thinking I'm over here. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> For me, uh, Fight Club. Oh, first first rule of Fight Club is what? You don't talk about Fight Club. Bang. So that's why I'm not going <laughs> to give anything away. But you, if you've seen Fight Club, you know why I love you know introducing it to people it for the awesome. first time. It if you've awesome. never seen Fight Club, go watch it. Uh, the other one, maybe a little more sentimental, Goodwill Hunting. Mm, that's okay. a movie I love introducing to people. So I like Goodwill Hunting. For me, I, I would probably go more born identity over goodwill that's, that's just <laughs> I'm me to be per here. se if i want sentimental i go notebook don't judge me you know i like the notebook i cry <laughs> i cry for the notebook uh mav says i like to introduce people to pearl jam that's a good one. Oh, absolutely and the movie run lola run Hmm. I don't know okay. if I've ever seen that. I might, well, I'm have to check. Me. I'm going to check gonna it out. Do, I'm yeah. going to do a Google search here when we go to break. Uh, so everything's on the table for our last segment. We'll wrap with your reaction as we always do on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. Any thoughts on Steelers-Ravens? Any thoughts across the NFL? Anything on those three questions that we just touched on there? Let us know. It's your time to shine. Tweet now or forever hold your peace for the next 22 hours. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. And I know just where I stand Another serenader And another long-haired band This is the Steelers Blitz With Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes On your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR 
Yeah, Arthur Motes thought he could he could talk about Billy Joel and not get some Billy Joel coming hey out of break here, baby. Hey now, you know I love me some Billy Joel. And baby. this is a great call by you, you know. And I said, all right, Motes, I'm gonna spin some Billy Joel. What do you want me to play here coming out of break? You know, I thought that I'd get a Piano Man or Uptown Girl or We Didn't Start the Fire. Motes goes, give me the entertainer, baby. Uh, okay. Deep cut from Motes. That's a real thing. fan right there. This is the thing. Everybody plays those songs you talked about in terms of. Piano Man, Captain Jack, like those are the ones that you go to the to the karaoke machine and it just sits there. It's like, all right, cool, but man, let me get you something that's in the catalog that you might not have heard, but it's still gonna bop, it's still gonna ride, and you just like, yo, I turn up to this, like I love it, and that's my song. And I was telling you a little bit, just a little transparency here. Anytime I'm going to like host an event, right, where I have to be the MC, I got to be on stage in front of. Hundreds of people, sometimes thou- well, a lot of times thousands of people, right? Yep. Giving speeches, you whatever it is. You are the entertainer, baby. I'm the entertainer. I- I've turned that on. I'm like, let's ride. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right, let's get to the tweets here before we get out of here. Uh, Randy says, hey, guys, epic show today. It seems like Lamar Jackson will be the first truly elite quarterback the Steelers have faced this season. How much of a challenge do you think he will be? Well, he's definitely going to be a handful. Um, and-, and I say that with the confidence that – the Steelers are going to play extremely well. I mean, I, I fully anticipate them having an awesome game plan and executing it. But Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson for a reason. Lamar Jackson is as good as he is for a reason. And I just think that, man, he's going to have some challenges, man, in terms of what he can do with his legs when he is throwing well. I mean, he he can put the ball wherever it needs to be. Like I say, it's more consistency related. But when he does do it right, he can do that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a good back and forth, man. I'm excited about it, though. All right, we got a bunch of tweets here about what people like to introduce other people to. Mm, I'm loving it. I love it. Let's do it. Uh, Jared says, I love introducing Hollywood Undead to people. Do you know the Hollywood Undead? I do not. They are a group. Uh, I don't know if I would call them a rock or a hip-hop group because they're, okay, kind of, okay. uh, they're kind of both, but that, that's what Jared says here. I feel like there's something for everyone there regardless if you like rock music or if you're more of a hip-hop person. Uh, they've, uh, let's see here. I've, I think he said he's seen them twice, two great shows. Um... Yeah, Hollywood Undead. That's a that's a good one, Jared. Because like that's that. okay. that's one that like you have to you won't hear Hollywood Undead on the radio right, or right. anything like that. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta seek it out. Um, where was the other one here that I saw? Calvin says here movies I like to introduce people to El Mariachi, which is the precursor to Desperado. It has Antonio Banderas in it. And Reservoir Dogs. I already Dogs. know. I, I, I'm hip to that. I love Antonio Banderas. All those, man. That's back when he had the guitar case with the guns in yep, it. Yeah, yep. man. Yeah, I'm, I'm way hip to that. And Love Reservoir that. Dogs, too, is a oh, great yeah. one. But you're right. And a kind movie of the, about a robbery that never you never get to see. Just, and and kind of like the pantheon of Tarantino movies, sometimes yes. it does get forgotten about. That, that's that a movie great was, one. Man, That it had two or three of them. It was just dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. 100%. Great, great acting. Uh, great soundtrack in that movie, too. Absolutely. Here I am stuck in the middle of you. Mark says, best rivalry in college, Army-Navy, hands down. Ooh, yeah. Great call, Mark. Yeah, that great, is great a great call. call. That's a game that I would like to get to. That's say, bucket list that's, for me. That's one of my – I think I actually listed that as my I bucket list. we, we did. did. Yeah. Well, we did that over the summer, I, right? I that was absolutely. one of ours when we were trying to find things to talk about. Yeah, I absolutely want to go to an Army-Navy game, and I want to party with the Army-Navy people oh, after the Afterwards. Because I knew it was going to be it. For sure. For sure. Uh, Don Juan, last one here. He says, I'm with Moach. Can't go wrong with Boys in the Hood or Menace to Society. I watch those two movies every time they come on TV, and my wife gets mad. 
for me, my wife, she she understands it and she likes it, but she gets sad because just the movie. Sure, and and sure. I mean, like, because she understands, like, hey, this is real life. Like, people really experience this, and this is a smaller version of what really goes on mm-hmm. for a ton of minorities living in some of these uh, situations and communities. And you talk about just that cycle of how you're always just stuck there. You can never get out of it. So that's why when you are able to, it's such a big deal. Right. But it's very hard because you, I mean, the the I guess the, the term that they use, they do say you have PTSD from those scenarios because of the things you witness and experience. But yeah, man, that's why I'm always like, man, check the movies out, bro. It will, it will help sure. you have a better understanding of a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, along those lines of what Don Juan said there, a movie that you just can't not watch when it comes on TV. Uh oh, what you got? I got two. Uh oh. They're both uh oh. They're both cart they're both Pixar movies. Mm. Monsters Inc. and Ratatouille. <laughs> if Monsters Inc. or Ratatouille, Ratatouille is Ratatouille. on television, I am planted on the couch watching. Listen. I love Ratatouille, <laughs> and I don't know why. I just I love that it's, some, mouse, it's something man. about this little mouse who is a top-notch chef, chef lingo. Every oh no no, you got to put a little bit of the seasoning in there. Like I love that. You know what else though? You remember the the movie? I think it was called uh, was it Mouse Trap? Yeah, uh, Mouse Hunt. Mouse Hunt in yes, the big yes, mansion in the big with the mansion. mouse. Yeah, the two brothers. Buddy, I love. That I got movie. that on VHS. I. Love that I think movie, it's, it's, bro. Is it Mouse Hunt? I, I think, think it's Mouse Hunt. I think it's Mouse Hunt. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that movie, bro. Oh, yeah, 1997 yes. Mouse Hunt. Yes. I love that movie. <laughs> With Nathan Lane and uh-huh. Lee Evans. I love it. Oh, I'm going to have to go. It's on Hulu. Oh, baby. Well, I know what I'm doing when I get home today, Arthur Mouse. <laughs> Good stuff. I do. I still have that on VHS, Mouse yeah, Hunt. That, that movie was dope, bro. All right, well, that'll do it for today's show. If you want to catch Arthur and Wes on pop culture, you Hey, can- now, hey, now. <laughs> I swear, they give us four-hour show here. We'll do two hours on Steelers every day and then two hours on whatever else people want to talk about. Man, we could cook. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who chimed in on the Twitter. You know we appreciate the reaction, especially on a day where we couldn't talk to our buddy Brian Backo. Tomorrow on the program, old folks, it's Friday, so you know what that means. Show me the money, <gasps> five-star Friday, <laughs> and you know we're singing some songs. And I have the biggest issue with you because you forgot what the first part of Friday is. Moats. Thank you. Hosts. Thank you. Friday. Put some respect on it. Listen, there's just so much going on on a Friday. Sometimes it's hard yeah. to keep it all on Put track. some respect on it. Moats first. <laughs> then the rest is Friday. All right? I feel better now. We will talk to Yins about 22 hours from now, and we will have a lot of fun getting ready for Steelers-Ravens. Uh, the game that started the sing-song last year. But it's a little bit different than last year, baby. We oh, got yeah. Big Ben, and we are ready to cook. So we'll talk the ends tomorrow. You know the time. It's always high noon and same place as well on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.